Can we simulate the zoom delay? Yeah. The slow. What do you think <laughs> of the Broncos? <laughs> and then it catches up. Because I think that's very exciting for you. <laughs> Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B, the number 18 college show in the country. <laughs> that low? I don't know. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. That's right. We know the games that ESPN is going to do with BYU Men's Hoops uh, as it pertains to the uh, conference schedule. Still waiting to hear on Noncon and CBS Sports Network, and then we'll know what games BYU TV gets. But uh, home St. Mary's at Gonzaga, home, uh, excuse me, at Santa Clara, at Pacific, home Gonzaga, at LMU. Uh, home St. Mary's, those are the ones okay. in league. Seven games on ESPN networks and in Pepperdine, league. excuse me. Yep. Uh, Eight. And Pepperdine. Okay. So there you go. Half. All right. Half. CBS Sports Network gets the second round of refusal, and then we'll come in. Okay. We filled our basketball quota now with the scheduling news. What? I can never be full with basketball. Let's get back to football for the moment. Okay. BJ Reigns, uh, he's really good uh, with Boise State stuff. He's a beat reporter for the Idaho Press Tribune, host of the Blue Turf Sports Podcast. Lots to talk about. About the two and three boy state uh, Broncos. Here's my conversation with BJ from earlier today. All right, BJ, you always have great insight on boy state. We love when you're on the program. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. It's kind of a rainy day in Boise, but looking forward to getting down there. And uh, always fun when I get to make the trip to Provo. So, so looking forward to this one for sure. Should be an equally rainy day at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, which should be fun. Um, do you think that means we're going to have just a, an overloaded rushing game Saturday afternoon? Well, I think Boise State would hope that's not the case. <laughs> it hasn't gone too well for them. Uh, an all-running game would probably not suit them very well, as is, uh, you guys know and folks that have looked at the stats know. Boise State's uh, rush defense has not been good, and BYU runs the ball very well. So that's a concern going into the game for sure. And on the flip side, Boise State has not run the ball very well at all this season. So that uh, those those two areas are pretty much, if you needed to simplify, why is Boise State 2-3? and three? And it, it could probably just be defined as simple as they can't run the ball and they can't stop the run and if it's a a wet rainy game where they have to try to do both they could be in some real trouble Tyler Algier was amazing against Utah State career high 218 and three touchdowns on the boys state side George Holani's a thousand yard back this is and there are several dudes who uh, uh, can ball Uh, injuries on the offensive line notably at center what's the issue right now yeah, two starters were out in the last game. Uh, the left tackle, John Ojuka, was the only lineman that started in the same spot where he had already started the game this season. They're trying to move guys around. They have two transfers in there starting right now. And so, yeah, the center, uh, Keikani Holomia Gonzalez being out has really hurt them. They've tried two different centers. They've had snapping issues, uh, which has led to some of the negative yards, which has affected the rushing numbers a little bit. Um, but uh, too many sacks. Hank Bachmeyer got sacked uh, in the last game six times as two. So the offensive line has just not played well. And um, they have Cyrus Abibi Lakio, a, a transfer from Oregon at running back. Um, but really, uh, George Solani just hasn't been healthy. He, he missed the UCF game, and they just got hurt in the first quarter of this last game against Nevada. So I would suspect that George Solani does not play on Saturday. And mm. um, they've got some other guys. They, you know, some other guys they they feel good about, but they just haven't, for whatever reason, been able to get it done. I think they said I saw was 1.1 yards. Uh, you know, until until contact, so they're just they're getting hit like right at the line of scrimmage almost, and they just can't do anything. And so, um, yeah, that's going to be a big focus for them. Try to establish the run, and if not, we might see Hank Bachmeyer throw it fifty-five times. 
And that's not always the worst thing in the world, but that one-dimensional thing is tough, right, for Hank. He's a tremendous player. We're fi- and we're finally getting, hey, we're finally getting the Hank Bachmeyer versus BYU game. I know some Boise State fans have been like, but hey, Hank didn't play in the game we're f- the last two years. We're finally getting that game. How good is he? I know he's 12-4 and four as a starter. He started just at Florida State, right? That game was incredible. What kind of player is he? Can he win this game for Boise State? Yeah, I mean, he's a heck of a player. He had hit one of the best games, maybe the best game of his career against Nevada uh, the other day. Four touchdowns, passed for well over 300 yards. I mean, he's he's uh, playing very well. He's up over 300 yards now, average passing per game. I saw that, uh, was it not pro football focused, or one of those people came out recently ranking all 130 quarterbacks uh, so far, you know, for college teams, and he came in at number 12. So, I mean, he came in right now as, um, you know, one of the top quarterbacks through five games uh, in the country right now. So he's playing very well. He's distributing the ball across the field um, you know that in Tim Plow's new offense there's a lot more put on the quarterback it's a lot more RPO type stuff so some of his decision making on the RPO stuff and whether to, to pull it or to run it or to pass is um, taking some time for him to get used to that was an issue in the UCF game but overall um, he's playing great he's had a couple interceptions that fans like to point to um, one in the UCF game when they were trying to drive at the end of the game one late in the Oklahoma State game as well um, but overall he is by far not the reason. Even though some fans are calling for Jack Sears and wanting to do that, Hank Bachmeyer is playing great, and he is the least of Boise State's problems at this point. And yes, I agree. Nice to finally get a chance to see him play against BYU, which I know is very important to him and very important to this fan base. And it should be interesting because we'll see who goes for BYU. It might be Jacob Conover, right? The third string, what is it, 2019, and now the third string quarterback for BYU going to start last year. I know Sears got the start, and the third string was hurt, and Cade Finnegan, who's now on the BYU roster was playing it listen can we just get two healthy quarterbacks in this matchup for once I don't know if we're gonna have it until maybe next year it'd be nice and I know the BYU fans loved it loved always bring that up when I I pointed that out a couple times last year and it was (laughs) whether it was excuse making or whatever it was they like to say that so I've been getting it for weeks now with the BYU fans already tweeting at me and stuff oh well we'll see if they have their Boise State has their third string quarterback again if it matters and all this so uh it's you know it's all it's all fun it is both teams are without players both teams have injuries certainly the the full house uh you know sellout crowd is gonna help BYU I mean it's it's a it's a fun game and that's why we like college football the what ifs and if this guy was healthy and if this game had come after a bye week or whatever there's just so many variables that come into play but uh you know the scoreboard says what it is and the game counts and the record counts no matter who's out there and so both teams will certainly try to give it their best shot bj reigns is on BYU sports nation covering boy state for the idaho press tribune and the host of the blue turf sports podcast we can see your background it looks very nice okay are people Thank freaking you. out in boise two and three like this is weird right for boy state football Oh, yeah. There's people, like I said, calling for change at quarterback. Uh, there's guys, co- folks calling for a change in head coach already and saying Andy Avalos wasn't the right hire. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's the first time since literally 2001, 20 years since they've been uh, two and three at this point in the season. If they lose on Saturday, which I think is a fair thing to assume, they're going to be uh, two and four for the first time since 1997. Uh, it just doesn't happen around here. They don't lose very many games. Um, but Andy Avalos has pointed to the fact that he was a linebacker on the team that was two and three in 2001 and they went on a pretty good run after that two weeks later they beat number eight Fresno State on the road they end up going like 44 and four over their next three seasons to win three whack titles and 
that was kind of the start to the season. And then, then the game against Fresno that a lot of people point to as the game that turned Boise State's program, uh, you know, put them on the ascension to what they've become. And so Andy Avalos has talked a lot about, hey, a lot of good can come from being two and three. And I know he's grasping for stuff, obviously, because they're not playing very well. But um, again, they've they've been in all the games. They've had a lead uh, in all the games. And so I think they feel like they're better than maybe the record shows. They've played a really tough schedule. I think one of the toughest schedules in the country, if you go on win-loss win -loss percentage, and this is one of the hardest schedules in, in Boise State history. So they're not making excuses. It's not where they want to be, but they still know there's a lot of games left. And after this BYU game, they got seven conference games left, and they still control their own destiny in the conference to get back to the title game. So I think that, you know, I don't want to say they want to get this game out of the way, but they, they have a big one here on Saturday, and then they want to lock back in with conference play. And uh, they still feel like they can make something of the season, and, you know, we'll see if they're right. At UCF, uh, you know, that's, that's a tough uh, game, of course. BYU played UCF in the bowl game. We know that. UTEP was a win. Oklahoma State in Boise was a huge game. That one, ugh, the, the fumble recovery, the scoop and score, they blow the whistle, the block field goal, that probably should have been a win, too. At Utah State, domination. Nevada's a good team. So, yeah, it's been a tough schedule. Where do you feel like Boise State is good enough to outplay BYU and have an advantage to potentially pull off an upset here? Well, if you're talking about a third-string quarterback going for BYU, I, I, you know, we just talked about Hank Bachmeyer, but I would think that you would give the quarterback edge uh, if that ends up being the case uh, to, to Boise State. Sure. And, uh, again, I think Hank, I think Hank Bachmeyer can can move this offense. When you look at that Nevada game, they had over 500 yards of positive offense in the game. They were moving the ball pretty much at will, especially through the air. And then, like I said, they got sacked six times and they had two bad snaps that resulted in 97 negative yards. But if you take that out, they actually moved the ball over 500 yards and again had three turnovers uh, in the second half and so they just you know beat themselves so if they can cut down on the mistakes and the turnovers and some of the, the sacks um, I think they feel like they this offense works and they can move the ball and they can put up points. And so um, I think offensively they've, you know, they know obviously BYU has a very strong defense, but I think that they feel like, um, you know, they can score some points. They can move the ball for them. It's going to come down to, can they stop the run enough to give themselves a chance? BYU to the big 12 in a couple of years. Um, the, it's kind of unknown whether this game's going to keep going or not. Does Boise State want to keep it going? Cause we've kind of debated like, okay, now the scheduling philosophy changes a little bit where, okay, you're going to play a Power 5 schedule. And then I've loved the Boise State matchup. It's actually been my favorite series that BYU has scheduled in Independence. But I'm debating if that's too tough if BYU's playing Utah and Boise State and like a Utah State and an FCS, depending on if it's three or four non-conference games for the Cougars. Yeah, and it depends, you know, how many conference games uh, that uh, the Big 12 does, if it's eight or nine, and there's a lot of variables in there. But I agree, if I'm BYU, I mean, I, if you're playing on the Big 12 schedule, I don't know why you would sign up for a game like this every year. So, I, yeah, I mean, Boise State fans want it to continue. Boise State obviously wants it to continue. It's been a great game. I was looking at the numbers the other day. Three of the 11 games were decided by one point. You had two others, uh, you know, that were decided by five or less points, and that doesn't count the whole Manga Miracle game back there in 2014. 13, I guess it was, or 15. 15. Um, yeah, 15, um, and where they had the, the pick six to kind of pad the lead there at the end. But so there's just been so many great games. It's a regional game. There's a lot of BYU fans in Boise. Um, you know, there's some talk up here, though, that this could be the last trip to Pro for a while because I know they're supposed to go back in 2023. But since that's, you know, the year that it's out, since that's the year that they're maybe joining the Big 12, I mean, forget the next 10-year series that starts in 2025. This could be the, the final trip to Provo for a while. So um, I hope not. I hope it continues. I, I personally love going down there. It's a, 
a fun atmosphere. It's a fun game. I always enjoy the the give and take uh, with BYU fans on social media. I, I hope it continues. <laughs> I really, really do. Um, but um, we'll see. If I if I was in the BYU side, I, I could totally see why they would want to get out of this. You're going to be playing some of these teams in the Big 12 every year. I, I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense to have a another game that's a you know game that you're not you know not a guaranteed win for you on the schedule. So I, I think. Um, you know, but who knows if if all the reports are true, maybe this ends up being a conference game down the down the line. Now, what now? What are you referring to? That the Big Twelve might expand and include Boise State. Yes, I think that's a possibility. Um, there's been some talk. Uh, I know Dennis Dodd had an article about a second round of expansion, and Boise State and Memphis were the two leading candidates for that. Um, there was a report from a Baylor radio station about how Boise State needed to add 12,000 seats to their stadium uh, to get, uh, you know, have a chance at the Big 12. And I've heard some behind the scenes rumblings that maybe they're going to start a uh, capital uh, campaign to try to raise some money for something like that. So um, who, who knows? I mean, Boise State obviously did not go to the AAC. Um, they, you know, obviously listened to Mike Oresco and what they had to offer, but in the end felt like the Mountain West was better for them. And if that's the case, you have to think that they're hoping something else is coming down the road. So I'm not reporting anything. I don't have any inside information about it. I just think that uh, it's not dead. I think Boise State potentially, when Texas and Oklahoma finally leave, um, that uh, you know, there's been reports and things out there that maybe Boise State and Memphis would have a chance to get in. And I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of the uh, the travel partner for the volleyball and soccer teams. If you got the Central Florida volleyball team coming out to Provo for one game, does that make a lot of sense? Uh, no, they could go on up to Boise and, and play them, you know, too. So I think it makes some sense, and I hope it happens. A lot of people in here in Boise are still holding out hope that uh, maybe you know three to five years down the line that can still up end up being the case. Yeah, we will see, and that is certainly interesting, and I know something hopeful for Boise State um, in this conversation. BJ, we appreciate time. Safe travels to Provo, and we'll see you tomorrow. Yep, should be a great game, guys. Always appreciate you having me on. BJ Reigns on BYU Sports Nation, always bringing it interesting. So George Chalani, uh probably not playing. You know, Hank Bachmeyer finally in this one. Boise Apparently State he's may- not the issue, which we pointed out. Hank's a good player. <laughs> yeah, Boise State maybe in the second round of expansion with the Big 12, so we'll see. I – I wouldn't mind that. In fact, I think I'd like it um, to have a travel partner with Boise State. I don't know if the Big Twelve is ready to move on that to go to fourteen teams. Yeah, I don't know what they're. I don't know what they want, but like I the idea, I'd be fine with it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. 10 plus or bust? BYU football off to an historic start in the 2021 season. 5-0, number 10 in the country in both the APN coaches' polls. And chasing a big-time goal that includes a venture into New Year's Six Bowl territory. Wait, I thought we were going to the playoff. Well, let's first things first, right? And that includes beating Boise State, potentially, on Saturday to go 6-0. and Okay, Jerem, what we know is BYU has played five games. They have five wins. There are seven games to go. At this point, given what they've already accomplished, is it 10-plus wins or bust for BYU football in 2021? Not or bust, um, but I think 10-plus, certainly the kind of new expectation, right? And we're talking regular season. We'll see what the, the postseason brings. If it's the Independence Bowl, we would hope that BYU would beat a Conference USA team, even if it's the best team from that league. Um, but not bust, but it's certainly 10-plus wins now, which is insane to think about. BYU's had 10-plus wins in Independence 
in a regular kind of season once. So regular is not last year, right? 2011, BYU played three P5s. So this is a different transition, easier schedule. Uh, this would be incredible. This would be one of the crown jewel seasons in BYU history. I'm, t- I'm talking all-time season. It may not be in the top kind of five conversation if BYU has three losses, but um, it would be a season where we go, oh, we're ready for the Big 12. Yeah, we can, we can, we can do it. For the first time, BYU played a gajillion power fives, seven, you know, tying the most in, in BYU history in a season, and, and won 10 games. Like, wow, wow, right? In 2013, BYU played seven, went eight and five. You have a sophomore, Jamal Williams, and Taysom Hill. You're kind of building towards that excellent defense. Um, Ten, though, at this point, would certainly feel like, it's weird to say, a little bit of a disappointment because there'd be a couple losses in there given how fast this start has been. BYU's also played two of the top four toughest teams already. And won them. Yes, we were talking in our pre-production meeting. If BYU gets through next week unscathed, Baylor, 7-0, oh my gosh, like... Anything is possible at this point. Yep. USC is going to be tough. Obviously, there are challenges on the schedule left with Virginia and Washington State. Um, but, hey, uh, let's go. 5-0, and way above expectation. 3-2, and probably would have been happy with this, right? 4-1, and wow, 5-0, and over the moon. So I'm not going to be disappointed. But if BYU loses, you know, Two two games, not a huge deal. Like, if BYU loses three games between now and the end of the bowl season, that would be disappointing. It would be disappointing. It would because you're five and zero. It's okay to change your expectations. Who says you have to stay with what you said previously or thought? You can always learn something and adjust. Because of the five and zero start, and because of what we just showed you, ESPN's Football Power Index has BYU favored in five of the seven remaining games. So if BYU just holds serve according to those percentages. And I know it's not an exact science, not even close. But if BYU just beats the teams that right now they're supposed to beat, and we think we have a pretty good idea of who BYU is now because they've played five games. Yeah, we're close to that Robert and I mark. They're halfway into the season. And BYU will see Robert and I in Virginia later on. Dr. Bob, what's up? Okay. If BYU just wins the games they're supposed to win, they're 10-2. and So for me, Jerem, if BYU loses three games – in the final seven, then yes, it, it'll feel like a bust. And I hate to put that type so like, of pressure on would BYU. Would it feel like 08? Yes. Where it was like, that team was what, 5-0, 6-0? 6-0 and number eight in the country. Yeah. And and the seasons around that also affected that. 06-07 go 11-2. and BYU bounced back in 09 and goes 11-2 and against a tough schedule. 08 was a disappointing season despite being 10-3. It was. But this is a new standard for BYU. Like, I, I, I think going into the Big 12, you know, I feel like, hey, that was the season where we really felt like we could do it. Last year, it was like, okay, BYU beat the, the teams on its schedule. It was different. This year has validated last year. Yes. Because you think about, and Cougar Stats said, I'm not going to be, you know, too picky. BYU lost the number two pick overall, a bunch of dudes in the NFL. It's this fun balance of, well, if BYU was 3-2 and two and then finished with 10 wins, we'd feel differently. But because of the start, yes. like if, if, you're Connor, shifted. if you're Connor Mance and you lead through the first uh, three miles and then you finish in ninth, you're going to feel differently than if you were in ninth and then you finished third. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, what a, what a push to get up into the yes. top three. Yes. Right now, BYU is 5-0, and ahead of schedule. BYU is pacing out front. Yes. Uh, against its own standard. You poll the yeah. average fan. If you polled the average fan that supports BYU and said – Okay, 
Um, if BYU loses three games over the final seven, how would you feel? Yeah, and yeah, I, I'm yeah. guessing Consensus. that 90% or more would say, yeah, it's very disappointing. It's a bust. Oh, four and three? That'd be a bummer. It's a, it's a bust. Yeah. So 10-plus feels like the minimum threshold for success for BYU in 2021. Because yes. of how well it's Absolutely. gone. Absolutely. BYU should be credited for that, but it would also, against its own standard, again, because of how it has played, would would feel, yes, would feel weird. Now, if BYU goes 11-2 and two overall in this season. Great. Oh, Amazing. Ecstatic. 12-1, and one, all-time season. 13-0? and 0? Mm. Because maybe, BYU may, has maybe beaten, the best season ever, even over the national championship, because it's in the modern era. It's because you know what I mean? BYU we'll has beaten three Power Five teams, and I know two Arizona two ranked doesn't feel like a, a real Power, power Five win, but they beat Utah. They got that proverbial monkey off the back, which was just a massive it had obstacle become to overcome. Bigger than yes, a it was. Yeah. It was freaking King Kong on your back. It felt like okay. It felt like that's it. what it was. Yeah. Like they removed King Kong. And that nine-game losing streak. Well, did you watch Godzilla versus Kong? I mean, it's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> <It's> entertaining. <laughs> so they got rid of the King Kong with Utah. They beat Arizona State. Arizona State might win the Pac-12 South. They, they, they're probably the team that has the best chance to win the Pac-12 I South I hope they right do now. because BYU needs a signature win on the schedule. Yes. BYU can't have a bunch of meh Right now they have a they, they beat a ranked team, and that team is still ranked. And Arizona State needs to be dope. We need Arizona State to win the whole pack. They play Stanford this weekend. So root for the Sun Devils sorry, to beat a really sorry, solid Stanford team. Brother Elder McKee, going down, man. Brother Haymuli. Sorry. Oh, you're his, right. His fullback. I do love Houston Haymuli a lot. <laughs> He's great. Okay. Seven to go. BYU should win at least five of these. And there are people out there that think, oh, man. Even if BYU loses one game because of these dreams that we have, even one game, what that, that will feel disappointed, right? Oh, for sure. sure. But it's not a. It's not. Oh, I think we're kind of saying, where does it become extremely disappointing? Yes. And we're saying bust as the, that word. The bust but would like, be three losses in the final seven like games. Ten wins, calling it a bust, is just wild. You know what I mean? We've changed the uh, yeah. the the standard of truth here. No, if you I will. I think BYU should win ten games in the regular season. And have a shot at 11 wins in the bowl game. Yeah, I think that's where... 10-2 and two that's, feels like that's, uh, you should be there. That's what we kind of expect, I think, is should to be there. win five of the last seven. Are you expecting BYU to lose at some point? I hate to say that I'm expecting because... Because I am. <sighs> it's too hard to win them all. It is. Ask everybody but 84. It's so hard. Probably. Probably. Yes. Yeah, yeah like I... I hate to admit that, but it's like ah, because of the way injuries it's one and, and a half. depth and yes. the road and they're playing at Baylor and at USC and sometimes things just get weird and they're already playing three different quarterbacks at this point in the season. Like asking BYU to go undefeated is a lot. You hope it's for way it, too hard. Yeah. But in terms of yeah. expect, yeah, I expect BYU to lose at least one game. Yeah, I would think one and a half is the line right now. At least, if not yeah, two, right? at least one game. But and that's and, okay. Ten and two, and listen, it, it ain't eighty four. If BYU is eleven and one after this twelve game <laughs> gauntlet, they'll be in a New Year's six game. I would hope so. If they're eleven and one, and they've gone five we'll and zero, Jeremy, we'll see. So it's the potential is out there. Three percent chance, according to ESPN, to run the table. Yeah, it ain't happening. 
but right. it's more like a 10 or 15% chance for BYU to go 6-1 and one over the last seven games. And they had an 11% chance to start 5-0. and oh. So why not this year? Why not go 6-1 yes, and one over and the one last would be seven? amazing. 10-2, and two, frankly, would still be incredible. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. 10 wins? If you said that to us beginning of the season, hey, BYU's we going to win we 10 wins, are going to have 10 wins in this 12-game regular season We were schedule? happy in the Mountain West okay. to get 10 wins, let alone 7 Power 5s. Are you serious? Our question of the day, would you be disappointed if BYU does not win at least 10 games this season? Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At BYU underscore game day on Twitter says, the only realistic way that BYU doesn't get to 10 wins at this point is if these are the only games they win from here on out. Georgia Southern, Washington State, Idaho State, and Conference USA bowl opponents. So yes, I would be disappointed. Yeah, in that. Yeah, no, you got to win. You got to win a few others. Cougar stats you referenced earlier. Let's talk about it. Let's see. A record seven Power 5 schools on the schedule. Loss of a second overall NFL draft pick at quarterback. Loads of injuries early in the season. Seven and a half wins projected in the preseason. <laughs> Getting up with, say, nine wins seems a little too glass is 5% empty to me. <laughs> yeah, if you think back to the beginning of the season, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Things have changed. Like It feels like BYU should win 10. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now, a young lady that uh, in some circles is considered the number one player to ever put on a BYU women's soccer uniform. In this circle. Holy cow. Michaela Coulihan joins us over Zoom. Fresh off her team's sixth goal performance in a win against the top 20 Gonzaga team. Now BYU is back in the top 20 at number 20. Michaela, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're great. Not S- as good as you guys. Six goals against Gonzaga. <laughs> uh, what was said as you sat on a tough loss for about a week? Two weeks. Get, two weeks to get you ready for the Gonzaga outpouring. Uh, I think that there didn't need to be a ton said, honestly. After that loss to Utah State, I think we all just uh, had so much motivation and desire to kind of figure things out. And I think the two-week... Two weeks that we had off were kind of a nice break, and we came together as a team collectively and uh, kind of put it all together, and that result at Gonzaga showed. Okay, how did you come together? Because to have 30 shots and to lose to Utah State was, I know, extremely disappointing for you guys. And then you have a bye week, and then you know you're playing the Zags who are having you know, their best year ever. Uh, they're number 16. They're feeling like, hey, maybe we can be the big dog here. And you guys responded in a massive way. So how did you come together? Because that could have been a kind of ripping point for this team. Yeah, um, I think that the practice that we had where we didn't have games – or sorry, we didn't have games, and so we just had two weeks of practice. And um, I think we kind of had a meeting, and it just shifted our thinking a little bit. You know, it was – a time of, okay, we come together now, conference is starting, or we're going to look back and, and say, what did we do, you know? So came together as a team. We discussed things that we kind of felt like we were missing, and uh, things just started to click. I think that in our, our previous games so far in the season, 
Um, we played really well, but the results haven't really shown that. We've we've lacked finishing, or we've we've given up silly goals and things like that. And I think we're all aware of that. And it was kind of um, something that we just said out loud and acknowledged. And then we came together, and and like I said, it all showed. And and it was nice to kind of see everything click. BYU 6-3-1 and one overall. They host St. Mary's tonight. Michaela Coulihan is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We just talked to uh, our buddy and your buddy Greg Rubel about that Gonzaga game and the unique bat-on-the-field situation. Michaela, where <laughs> were you in relation to the bat that apparently was concussed and just hanging out on the soccer pitch? Yeah. <laughs> so I actually had just been subbed out. I was on the sideline and um, – I think I was just talking with one of my coaches or teammates and I didn't even see it coming. And all of a sudden I looked over and everyone was kind of paused and there was something laying on the ground. I had no idea what it was and then got word that it was a bat. And I was like, what the heck? You know, I was trying to get out of there and bats scare me. I didn't want to be anywhere near that. More startling moment, the flyover against Missouri or the bat against Gonzaga? The flyover for sure, because the flyover scared me. More than anything has in a long time. <laughs> okay, I'm sitting there calling that game. And I knew it was going to happen at some point. I looked up at 7.58 and I thought, this flyer was going to happen at some point. It was like 8.07, 8.11 or something. And you wouldn't have been out there with the flyover, but there were 11 goals. So I think it's uh, your fault. I think it's the, you know, the whole team's fault that you guys were even out there, Michaela. You guys scored seven goals. I know. I know that flyover was crazy. I I think we all just kind of like dropped to the ground right as it happened because it <laughs> caught us off guard. I didn't I didn't even know it was happening, so it was like freaky. <laughs> yeah, it was it was gnarly, but you guys overcame. And then, you know, uh let's talk about some of those ups and downs you mentioned. So when you guys have won the last four, you've scored seven, 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 and six goals. When you lost, it's kind of been, like you said, like a, like a one-goal kind of game, right? And you guys played a tough schedule. You went out on the road and challenged yourself. Cam Tucker got hurt. That certainly affected things. But where is this team at? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're feeling good coming off the Gonzaga game, but now you're in conference play. You're going to play your rival and defending national champion Santa Clara, you know, soon. Uh, you have a chance to go back to the NCAA tournament, make a run, your last hurrah here. What's the vibe with this group right now as you hit the most important stretch of the season? Yeah, I think the vibe is great. I think it's better than it has been. Not that we've we've lacked that, but like I said, I think that we've just lacked the the final touch, the last piece to putting it all together. And and though we've played well, I think now we've got experience and we're playing at a high level. And I think the Gonzaga game just really gave us all that confidence we needed. And uh, we showed up and proved what we're capable of. And I think now it's just um, up to us to kind of continue putting it all together and showing up every game and and now that we're in conference it's just it's all ahead of us and I think we're on a great path and I I love the chemistry that we have going and I'm excited for us now there are cool wet rainy conditions expected for tonight against St. Mary's how do you prepare for a game like that when the pitch is so slick and uh, how do you overcome those conditions yeah some people actually really like playing in the rain um I think soccer for a wet field, it kind of can play to our advantage because it speeds things up. Um, I personally don't love playing when it's actually raining, but but I think that um, we can use it to our advantage. I think that we'll know that the ball will move a little bit quicker, and so we'll just be prepared for that. And I don't know, maybe some people will pull out the, the spikes, the metal spikes. That's what we use sometimes when it's raining. And 
uh, it can help people keep that traction a little bit. <laughs> hey, you can always slip the ground screw like a like a twenty. You know, if you want it real wet before the game, they can just oh, the sprinklers were left on. Crazy, that's nuts. Okay, you're second in shots. What, per- <laughs> what was that? They did that to us at Utah. They turned the sprinklers on before the game. So <laughs> okay, and you were like, fine, I like it. Let's go. Okay, <laughs> second in shots per game uh, in the in the country. Uh, and then seventh in points. How do you balance when you need to attack versus when you need to set up your teammates? Um, I think it kind of depends, you know, reading the game. Um, I try to do whatever's required in the game most. You know, if I have a teammate that's making a good run down the side or and I feel that they're available and open, I'm going to do everything I can to get them the ball. But sometimes, you know, it, it's called upon me to – be able to be the one to finish and to make sure I'm getting myself in the box, getting opportunities to get my shot off too. So I think it's just a fair balance and, and it depends on the way different teams play us to take advantage of whatever they're giving us. Michaela Coulihan, All-American BYU Women's Soccer with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's give you some karma for tonight's St. Mary's game. You know how this works, Michaela. You're about to play an incredible game. Not that you don't play an incredible game every game, but it'll be even more incredible. So take it and go, and good luck tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. It'll be, it'll be because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take full we credit. Take, yes, we will take that credit. Thanks, Michaela. Yep. Thank you, guys. She is a star for 20th-ranked BYU women's soccer. She's awesome. And uh, I've recorded a Deep Blue podcast with Michaela, kind of chronicling her journey and some of the struggles she's gone through. If you want to download it uh, on the BYU radio app or where podcasts are found, man, it's a fun conversation. She's got some good soccer bloodlines, too. Saw yes. Chloe yep. for a few years uh, from 2013 to 2014. And then uh, she told well, Chloe said, look, you watch out for my uh, my little cousin, Michaela. She's little did we know. She's coming in big time. Little did we yeah. know, man. BYU's first two-time first-team All-American ever. It's incredible. BYU's had first-team All-Americans, but not tw- twice. And that's why she's in the conversation for maybe the greatest uh, ever. If Jen Rockwood says she is, I'm just going, yep. Right? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Will BYU football trail at some point tomorrow for the first time this season? No, it's not going to happen tomorrow. BYU is going to take that never trailing streak into at least the Baylor game. Yeah, I don't think BYU will either, which is crazy, right? Yes, it is crazy that it's been five games and they haven't trailed for one second of game time. Not even one second. All right, so if they're not going to trail against Boise State, maybe Baylor. We'll address that question next week. Will Zach Wilson get his second win of the season, and of his career for that matter, when the 1-3 New York Jets take on the 1-3 Falcons in London? Yes, Atlanta's the worst defense in the NFL by points, 32 a game. So, yes. You know who was the worst defense overall going into last week? The Tennessee Titans. And Zach Wilson beat them. So, yeah, I think that the Jets have a good mojo overall, rolling. yards? Yeah, just total yards. Gotcha. Not good, right? But the Falcons, also not good. I like the mojo the Jets have going. Let's go two and three Jets. This is about as much mojo as they'll get in one game win. Hopefully it's two. Two? Hey, two game wins could be awesome. Hopefully it's two. The all-college football Instagram account put out this post compiling all the assets for their best team possible. You always included for Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yep. Is LES the best stadium in college football? 
I'm trying to think of like a better backdrop overall. Like when you're up in the press box and you're looking out at Lavelle Edwards Stadium with the Wasatch Mountains in the backdrop. This is a live shot right now. That's hard to beat. Mm. Jaren, that that is extremely difficult to beat. I can't think of a better backdrop in all of college football. The stadium itself is not the best. Um, It's good, uh, but the backdrop is the best in college football. That's that's the the part. It's majestic. Yes, and the stadium has overgone a lot of renovations over the years. There's still some work to be done, certainly, but uh, it is it is much improved from the last you know five, ten, fifteen years, which is great. All right, on to basketball. John Rothstein of CBS Sports lists BYU basketball senior guard Alex Barcelo as one of the ten least appreciated players in the entire country. Jerem, do we appreciate Alex Barcelo enough? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, Mark Pope hasn't won a game without him at BYU quite yet. And 47% from three last year was 15th in the country, according to Ken Palm. He's incredible. He's an amazing leader. He has his team on point. And so I'm excited to see what happens. Yes, I think we appreciate Alex Barcelo enough. For the rest of the country... No, they, yeah, they don't know. They don't, they, they don't know. I think John Rothstein is on point there because uh, across the country, they don't really know what Alex Barcelo is or can do. More likely to happen tomorrow. Soccer scores seven goals or women's volleyball sweeps Ben Look, as crazy as it is that BYU women's soccer has scored seven goals in four of the last five home games, yep. that's wild. Yes. I'm not going to put it past them yes. because San Diego's not great. Women's volleyball is going to sweep Gonzaga. That's that's more likely to happen. The set streak will move to 27. Yeah. Um, both are possible because BYU soccer is just on fire at home. Four of the last five games. It's nuts. Exactly seven Crazy. at home. The one they didn't, a 2-1 loss in OTD Utah State. No, it's it's going to be a fun Saturday, man. We got we got, so we got a triple header. Yep. Quadruple. If you, what, Can't the post game. Technically five. Yeah. Because we got soccer. We got pregame. We got uh, volleyball. We got postgame. We got a rebroadcast. Not bad. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Earlier this on morning, BYU Radio, a great opportunity to speak with Pro Football Hall of Famer BYU legend Steve Young about his All-American teammate and longtime friend Gordon Hudson. Steve, we're certainly grateful to have you on with us to remember one of the legendary BYU football players, Gordon Hudson, a two-time consensus All-American at BYU who recently passed at the age of 59. When I say the name Gordon Hudson, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, he was my teammate. And uh, and uh, when we went to the LA Express together, uh, people might forget that I was part of the package when I went down there. Um, Gordy was a... Well, Gordy was a phenomenal tight end football player. He was, uh, I mean, honestly, you know, if you think of Travis Kelsey or um, I'm just trying to think of people through the years that um, tight end is a unique position. My buddy Brent Jones for years in the NFL, Gordy had, he, he just couldn't keep, he couldn't stay healthy. He would have been as good as any tight end in the NFL ever. He had a knack at understanding the middle of the field and the spatial relationships. And that's what a tight end, the most important job in a tight, uh, in a tight end is that they understand spatial relationships in, in, in close quarters and in, in small, small, small field of play. And, uh, and he just couldn't cover them because he always could, 
he's always sliding around making space and and uh, he was always open that was my memory of gordon gordy was always open and uh and two-time all-american at byu and um you know if it was today he'd start as a freshman he had four-time all-american that's how good he was yeah, he was amazing. He still holds three NCAA records, which is incredible still to this day, which is... Really? Does he? That's still amazing. Still holds three, yeah. Uh, catches per game uh, in a career. Most in a game, the 259 in Jim McMahon's final home game against Utah in 81. And then he averaged 75 a game for his career. So for a tight end, those are still records, which is incredible. And you mentioned the close quarters. He said that he first met you when Floyd Johnson put your lockers next to each other on the JV team in 80 when you were freshmen. What's your first recollection of when you began this beautiful relationship? Gordy, <laughs> Gordy was stubborn. Gordy was um, Gordy's a know-it-all. Uh, <laughs> he, he uh, you know, I mean, Gordy didn't know a lot. You know, he knew a lot, but he didn't know he didn't know it all. That's for sure. But he he acted like he did, and um, you know, it was funny as a quarterback. Uh, there's a lot of people who are phenomenal athletes that, that because quarterback's such an important and, and focused job in football, there's a lot of other spectacular athletes that kind of irritated that they don't play quarterback, right? Cause that's who talks in the huddle. That's who gets all the attention. And Gordy is one of those guys. It's like, wait, I'm, I, I, I'm more important than this guy. So I should be in the, <laughs> I should talk in the huddle. I should be, I should be the one that runs the show. Um, and that happens with linemen as too. There's, there are some phenomenal offensive linemen athletes. I mean, you know, not everybody, but there are some that could have played quarterback or could have played three sport basketball pro, you know, there's some guys that are just amazing. And Gordy was that way. Gordy was a phenomenal basketball player. Um, and he was in, and I, I think that uh, he was super confident. I mean, that's the thing of my freshman year that I was super not confident, you know, I mean, my coach just told me I couldn't play because I was a lefty. So, you know, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of, uh, but Gordy was supremely confident. The fact that he was blockering next to me on JV was like, what is this? You know, <laughs> I don't want no JV. And, uh, and he, and I love that about him. I love that. I, that rubbed off on me. It helped me. His confidence in my junior and senior year, uh, uh, who we were playing and how we were going to play against them and how it was going to go. But Gordy was like, well, this is this is in the bag. We got this. And he'd do that during the game, too. And uh, so uh, I appreciated. Uh, and that's hard to, you know, people aren't, people can be supremely confident and really they use it as a crutch because they really aren't. Gordy actually was. Gordy was supremely confident and didn't, wasn't faking it. He was like, this is, this is in the bag. And uh, I really appreciated that about him. And we were buddies. We, I remember one story. We, we, we went together at the LA Express. I told you we turned pro together and went down to LA. And I needed that. I needed a friend. And it meant, it meant a lot to me. And so uh, uh, it, was a, it was like a Tuesday. We played uh, on the weekend. And it was Tuesday as a day off. And uh, we went to the movies with his wife, Mindy. And uh, she was phenomenal. And, uh, and so I, the three of us went to the movies. And, we went, and we're coming home. And he goes, you know what? We drove by a car dealer. He goes, that's a cool car. I go, oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, he pulls in, walks up to the thing, says, that car's cool. I want that car. <laughs> and buys the car. And like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's no big deal to anybody. But to me, to me, I remember thinking, 
who does that? <laughs> who, looks at, who drives by and sees that school, pulls in and drives it home. <laughs> and I just thought, I, I just thought that was like, that was the ultra cool moment. Like I could not do that. I'd have to study it and think about it. And maybe over five years, you know, I didn't buy a car for 10 years. I've rented everywhere. But, uh, but Gordy's that kind of a guy like that's, that's Gordy. Like, uh, I like that. Not that he was super rich or anything, but just that's mine. Taking it home. <laughs> Steve Young with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're remembering his All-American teammate and tight end Gordon Hudson who recently passed away at the age of 59. Steve, I had somebody after the BYU women's soccer match last night, longtime member of the BYU athletic staff, come up to me and say, Spencer, I don't think you realize just how special of a player that Gordon Hudson was. So who better to really try and understand just how special he was on the field than by talking with you, Steve? When did you first yeah. realize this dude is special? Right away. The first time he ran a route, you could see his athleticism. Like, you know, tight ends are bigger, right? That's why they're tight ends, not wide receivers. And they have to block at the line of scrimmage inside. So, you know, they get beat up. And so, and especially back then, tight ends were blockers. That's, you know, that's what you were. Gordy was not a blocker. He could do it, but that's not what he was. He was a, he was a receiver and he could get open. And like I told you, he could get open anywhere and he could catch everything. He caught, I mean, honestly, he, he didn't drop, he never dropped a ball ever took a beating. I, he, I'd throw him in places like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just got him killed. And he would catch it and come back to me and look at me like, hey, uh, don't do that again. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but he, he was, his body betrayed him as a pro, but he was, I mean, I would argue the best player in BYU history. People, you know, be like, what? Come on, crazy. I, I could, you could, you could make an argument. You really could. And they didn't have the Mackey at the time, but he might have won it twice uh, if it was the early '80s, right? Um, if no they question. had that, yeah. No, so, well, no question because no one else was. No one else. Was, you know, think about it. You just told me something that's just phenomenal in all the years of because who was throwing the ball back in 1982 and '83? It was us in Miami and Stanford, and I mean, he's breaking records that are still here. That is insanity. That's uh, true and so I think we have to take a moment. Gordy was a unique, funny, interesting, tough-minded confident, you know, cocky almost. No, uh, let me leave you one last story. So he's, he's engaged to Mindy and, and we go over to Mindy's home. So it's in-laws. He's not, he's not married. He's still engaged. And, and, and the mother-in-law says, uh, she makes this homemade chili. It was just phenomenal. It was like special. Everyone was talking about it. So she brings out the chili. We're eating it. And when she serves it and Gordy goes, do you have uh, soda crackers? And she's like, oh, let me look, look. I'm sure I do. She goes over and looks and can't find any. She goes, oh, I'm sorry, Gordy. I can't find any. And Gordy takes the chili and pushes it to the middle of the table. It's like, ah, can't do it without soda crackers. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't, do this, can't do the special chili. You kind of have it all together. It ain't happening with me, you know? And that was just. That was Gordy, and uh, and but uh, if you're going to appreciate him as a football player, appreciate one of the all timers, and I mean it. No one comes close to uh, him as a tight end. 
he talked about in his experience how he had mission plans, you know, it, and you went through a similar thing where it was like, what do I do? You make the decision not to go on a mission, you know, and there was a lot of thought there. In your book, you go over that quite a bit. He talked about how um, he felt like he could still be a missionary and a good influence. He said that you, the two of you, had over 500 speaking engagements in the four years of BYU. Like you were constantly talking to people and how much he really enjoyed getting out of the community and talking about the church and talking about the mission of BYU. 500's a lot, Steve. I was just going to say 500's a lot. Uh, Floyd Johnson was the equipment manager famously. You guys remember that where he would, he would announce where you were going to go speak that weekend. And uh, so it was a lot. We probably, I, 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 Gordon, I probably covered every steakhouse in Utah. I mean, if you named it, <laughs> not, not every war, not every war, but every, I mean, honestly, we were, Name a little town in southern Utah, and we were there. And so, uh, and it was, a, I think it was a bonding time for us. It was also a spiritually, um, re, you know, kind of enlightening time because you you had to be thinking about stuff like that. And uh, and I think that, you know, I appreciated the chance to do that with him. And we did a lot of traveling together. And, uh, uh, and of course, I, I have to, to you know, if you know me, I have to drive. When Gordon and I would go, he would drive. That tells you a little, that tells you a little bit about Gordy. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, no one drives when I'm, when I'm in the car, but Gordy. So, you know, that's, ah, this is, it's been a tough 24 hours and um, much love to Gordy and his family. Well, Steve, we undoubtedly appreciate the time and the memories that you're sharing with us about Gordon Hudson. And frankly, uh, I'm, I'm feeling like in the spirit of Gordon Hudson, I should just drive past a cool car today and stop and uh, go buy it. I don't know how my yeah, wife's no, going to feel about it, but I might do it. <laughs> yeah, in, in honor. Maybe I should, too. You know, just in honor of <laughs> one of the more unique human beings. Uh, somebody that uh, much love uh, for somebody that was way more confident than me, much more productive than me, especially early. And somebody that I uh, was a running buddy that I, uh, you know, that I miss. We can certainly feel the love that you have for him. And uh, again, we know how busy you are. Thanks for fitting us into your schedule. Uh, This is a a great thing to remember. One of the all-time greats at BYU. Thanks so much, Steve. You guys are great to do it. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. A mystery matchup. The Boise State Broncos, with a very uncommon 2-3 losing record, visit unbeaten and 10th-ranked BYU tomorrow. Yet the Cougars, while riding high in the national spotlight, more than likely will start a third-string quarterback in Jacob Conover. There's rain and soggy conditions in the forecast for the afternoon kickoff on ABC National Television. Oh, and Boise State will have the man at quarterback that most Bronco fans believe would have defeated BYU in 2019 and kept the Broncos in the game last season. That's right, Hank Bachmeyer will start, Jerem. So, I mean, with so many weird things going into this game, what do we know and expect from tomorrow's game between Boise State and BYU. We know rain is in the forecast. That's one thing. We know Tyler Algier is going to run the ball a lot. Mm, okay. And I feel like we know he's going to run for a lot of yards. Uh, the Boise State defense stinks. Uh, so BYU is going to have their way there. I think the BYU offensive line is going to be able to move the ball for BYU. 
Hank, we think Hank Bachmeyer's playing, so that's something. We know BYU's a favorite. That line has slid, by the way, which is crazy. Um, you know, what, was, what did it start? Two and a half? Starts now it's down to six? All the way up to six points wow. in favor of BYU. And we know BYU's uniforms will look good. Uh, we know that Boy State's using the uniform it lost to BYU in, in 2013. We know that. Hmm. So these are the things we know. BYU preparing for Hank Bachmeyer for the first time ever. And because that is the case, Jerem, I have written an ode to Sir Bachmeyer. An ode? Okay. In the year of our Lord 2019, a steed of great worth visited Provo with record pristine. But what is a steed without his knight to lead and guide? For the great Bachmeyer did not abide. One year later, the steed again rode solo, for Sir Bachmeyer was ill and failed to conquer a cougar foe. But alas, in 2021, Sir Bachmeyer shall finally ride as his steed and the Broncos fight for their pride. Spencer the Bard? What? Well My done. ode to Hank Bachmeyer. Well, we love to make fun of this because... Boy State fans are like, well, if Hank Bachmeyer had played, they'd probably win that game in 2019. But listen, it wouldn't have been a blowout in Boise last year if Bachmeyer had played. BYU had the number two pick and was a top 10 quality team. Okay? No. Sorry. And you're two and three this year, okay? I I know that Boise State's better than two and three, though. So, listen, I think Bachmeyer is going to outplay... If Jacob Connor replaced, he should. Yes, jokes aside, Hank Bachmeyer's a good quarterback. I would argue very good. But right? he's got a really suspect offensive line. Oh, they a can't banged run up the running ball. back situation. And he's running for his life, and he's not as mobile as some of the other mobile quarterbacks that BYU's already faced. Spoiler alert BJ Reigns covers the team. Uh, in the next segment, it's going to tell us that George Helani is not expected to even yeah. play. Yeah. So, what? So. <sighs> BYU's winning this game. I, I think I think BYU wins this game comfortably, honestly. I, I just think Boise State's not the Boise State that they have been. I still think they're a good team. I just think BYU's very good to great right now. And at home, and Tyler Algier and this offensive line. Listen, Boise State has issues on the offensive line, injuries. You know who started three backups against Utah State last week and dominated on the ground? Yep. Brigham. Yep. Okay? Yo, Campbell Barrington, Connor Pay, and company – they started as backups, and BYU's uh, Tyler Algier rushed for 218 yards. Yeah, Mason Wade so didn't hear play. It. Oh, we got an injury. BYU's going to start a third-string quarterback, probably. BYU started a third-string quarterback in 2019 and beat Boise State. Hey, third-string freshman. Was it even hard? Um, this Boise State team's worse than that Boise State team in 2019. I'm not saying let down your guard. I'm just saying BYU's really good. I think BYU is going to win convincingly tomorrow. Yes. I'm not saying 17 plus, but I think it's a two score win. Now, as you pointed out, we know some things. We anticipate the conditions will be rainy and a little bit muddy and soggy. You would think, because of BYU's perceived dominance against Boise State in the trenches, based on what the Broncos are dealing with injuries on the offensive line, they might start a third string center. Their defensive line has not been able to stop the run, or at least they haven't shown the capability to do so at any point this season. Yeah. And they're, what are they, 105th they're ranked bad. rushing and, defense in the country? And they can't run the ball. Yeah. Like, three games of 60 or fewer yards rushing. 
in a game for Boise State, including Hank Bachmeyer, who, by the this way, this is like started, running back you that have produced a bunch of NFL guys. They're like guys. the Denver Broncos, where they always have a thousand yard back, right? Um, yeah, I I just think BYU is going to roll tomorrow. Now, here's what else I know: Aaron Roderick is a master of developing a game plan for a BYU backup quarterback. He is so good at that. When has he not had to do a, a backup? I'm trying to think. Zach Wilson at the end of 2019, a little bit. 2020, obviously, Zach's in there the whole time. But now he's had, what, this will be the third game with a backup starter if Jacob's the guy? Aaron Roderick is a genius when it comes to developing a game plan given a week for a specific signal caller, and it's probably going to be Jacob Conover this week. I trust in Aaron Roderick. I also trust in BYU's physicality on the lines. And if it is rainy and Boise State hasn't been able to stop the run, then why not dare them to try and stop it? And guess what, Jerem? If they stack the box and put seven or eight defenders to try and slow down Tyler Algier... They can't stack the box. Then there will be plenty of other options for Jacob Conover to throw to. Yeah. Uh, Last I checked, the BYU wide receivers were really good and really deep. And they have the capability to get the ball on the outside and make defenders miss. Or just run over them if you're Puka Nakua and Neil Pau. Okay? So... There will be options. What's Boise State going to do? If they stack the box, then they are flirting with disaster for Jacob Conover to make easy throws and BYU to take advantage in the passing game when there's nobody out there to defend the pass. If I'm Boise State, I'm freaking out because you're two and three, about to be two and four. This is BYU's going to win this game. Yes, this has nothing to do with Hank Bachmeyer's capability. He's, he's a good quarterback. He's really good. Dude. But he has Last been week given he was amazing. He has been dealt a really tough hand. Uh, oh, by the way, Hank Bachmeyer started wearing a knee brace earlier this week. He got he sustained a hit, they think, against Utah State that affected him. Um, so he was running a lot more in Tim Plough's offense. Okay. Um, and pretty effectively, honestly, I was like, oh, dude can run. Kind of like when Baylor run. Romney runs effectively. All of a sudden, uh, the like he can't run bias goes away, and it's like no, he's actually pretty athletic. He ran for like 800 yards and 10 yeah, touchdowns yeah. as a senior in high school, by the way. So he can run. Um, but Hank's not the same guy. He's going to sit in that pocket, and BYU defensively always has good game plans. makes Makes you take a long yes. drive down the field. You're going to turn it over or have a penalty, right? I know it's not sexy. Don't bend, don't break, and drop eight sometimes. But like. Elias Tuiaki is the most underrated piece of the BYU success. Aaron Roderick, I think, is properly rated. People, I think, understand, hey, BYU's really good because BYU's been, has some good coordinators, right? We don't talk about E in the same way we talk about Aaron. But E's done an amazing job with this BYU defense, who, after Keenan Peely got hurt, we were like, what's going to happen? Honestly, the secondary is rolling out guys that, like, last year you had no idea who their names were besides Malik Moore. You know what I mean? Like, did you know who, uh, you know, Morgan Piper coming down to play linebacker and uh, Hayden Livingston were? And you know what I mean? Yeah, guys are making plays. Jared Capisi, like, yes, yes. The barber on the team, like, yes, these guys are making plays. And it's awesome. It's, it's a group effort. BYU has injuries. BYU has issues, but they're making it work. BYU's going to take care of the ball tomorrow, hopefully, in the rain, run the ball effectively, and walk out with a win. All right, so recapping what we know. Boise State, 2-3, and going to take on an undefeated BYU team in <laughs> we know. rainy conditions. At least those are forecasted for Lavelle Edwards Stadium Provo in the afternoon. Wait, we have something to do right now. What's that? This is a tradition that we haven't addressed until right now. Let's deal with Spuddy Buddy? Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. It's no offense to like famous Idaho potatoes. I was born in Mountain Home outside of Boise. 
lived there for two years, and then I moved. I don't uh, really feel the vitriol the and animosity towards either, Spuddy Buddy it's anymore. It's okay, cool. oh, so I just got to keep tradition. Yeah. All right, Jeremy is uh, going to take care of, of Spuddy Buddy. Yeah, there are two of them we have to don't be uh, too violent with them, Jeremy. No, no, no. Okay? Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. So we have one on one of those fantastic Marriott Center chairs that are in Studio B and a little one that I brought back from Boise yeah. before. This one's like a puppet. One of them's a head, it's a head cover. It's a golf head cover. <laughs> was given to me by the president like, of the Idaho Potato I like Association. That, I know that's what it is, but whatever. Okay. Okay, it's tradition. Okay. So just ready. Wide shot, please. Well, oh, Jerem's uh, calling okay, for gotta, his gotta shot. Gotta throw him up. Gotta throw him up. We're done. Okay. Now, all right. Now, we only have, what, 47 minutes worth of that, but it's all good. Okay. Should have done it on Monday. My bad. Forgot. We know that we have a tradition to throw Spuddy Buddy out the set as well. The moment famous Idaho Potato sponsors the show, we won't do that anymore. Okay. Just saying. BYU's up to number 10 in the AP poll. Ah, completely validating everything from last year. I know there are a few BYU fans like, oh, I can't believe Michigan leapfrogged BYU. It's bogus. Really worried about that? Okay, what's the ceiling for this BYU team now? What's the ceiling? It all depends on what happens in the next two weeks. Okay, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. If BYU holds on against Boise State and then beat Baylor, Mm. they're not going to lose a game going into the USC contest. They'll go through Washington State and Virginia. Yes. Yeah. Then they will beat Idaho State. They'll take care of Georgia Southern. Sure. Okay. BYU will be eleven and zero. Hold on, Idaho State live on BYU TV. You, we, we're contractually obligated. To I just that. don't like if BYU gets past Boise State in a huge road game at Baylor. Jaren, mm. they're not going to they're, they're not going to have a significant real scare until they finish the regular season at USC. Who looked way better on Saturday against Colorado. Yes. Granted, everyone looks good against Colorado right now. So if you want to quantify the ceiling, yeah. right now BYU is number 10. Ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan said. I went through all of the schedules of the nine ranked teams above BYU just to see what they have and left. And you did 10,000 simulations. No, I didn't do simulations. It's always 10,000. It's never 1,000. It's never 5,000. It's always 10,000. But I did look at just games that will force... One of those ranked teams to lose. I mean, there there are a few top nine matchups of teams ranked above BYU right now. So attrition alone. Yeah. Like, those teams are going to lose. Hashtag SEC. For example, this week. I mean, Iowa is going to take on Penn State. I don't know if one of those teams is going to fall far enough below BYU. But there are a few of those. So Just keep winning. Yeah, just keep winning. At worst, I think BYU, if they continue to win up through USC... They will be ranked number six in the country going to the Coliseum with a chance to be a top that five be, team. That would be, and an undefeated regular season on the line. Can you imagine? I, listen, I still, what's the ceiling? I don't know, a couple more spots. I still think there's going to be a game that we don't expect to be close that is close. It could be, and like, I won't be, listen, I won't be, sh- like, if BYU goes undefeated in the regular season, that'd be unbelievable. It's happened once. Chance Star BYU lose one or two still. And I'm coming around to the only one idea, but I still think there's a couple losses in there potentially. It's just, it's just, it's going to be tough. Some of these teams are going to have a great game. Weather's going to injuries. Like, hopefully, Jaron Hall can get as healthy as possible as soon as possible. Yeah, how deep is BYU? Because they are extending the depth to new degrees right now. Like, if you're Soul Jamie, I have a Peters. Are your palms sweaty now? Like, you might get in. Hopefully not. Right. But hopefully, Jake Connor was fine. and Everything's great. Listen, this Saturday is going to be interesting. Which quarterbacks are you going to play? I think Boise State is what. Don't, don't, don't look at two and three and be like, that's a win no matter what. It's not. 
BYU got, has to bring it against Boise State. You think Boise State's going to lay down? Those guys are ticked. And after last year when they got destroyed on their home field for the first time against BYU, this is a big game Saturday in front of a national audience. Yeah. BYU's got to bring it. And then if BYU wins next week, like you said, at Baylor, who's the toughest team left on the schedule, it looks like. They did lose to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's 5-0 and good, now 12th. Anything is possible, as Kevin Garnett once said, with probably an expletive in there. Um, but I, I'm very excited about what's possible here. BYU has a real shot at 10 wins in the regular season. A 12 would be unbelievable in the regular season. I would take 11-1 and right now. I would probably... You know, ten and two, I might even take, but I'd really like to. I'd rather play, play it, out it out because of how this team's yes. playing, and despite some massive injury, like in what season would BYU have to get to its third stringer by game five and still be undefeated in BYU history? That's an unbelievable thing that's going on right now. Like, enjoy this ride. Don't don't worry too much about the future. Just sit in this moment sure. and enjoy this because this is freaking awesome. Yes, BYU without their starting center. Without another starting offensive lineman, right. there's a chance. So two starting offensive linemen. They're starting tight end slash fullback Mason Wake. Thanks for bringing this up. This is a right? good point. And a third string quarterback because Jacob Conover had to replace Baylor Romney at halftime. They get it done, outscore Utah State on their home field in the second half, ten to seven. Like BYU what it is proving. We always hear about oh, we've got depth. They are proving yes. and have proved again and again this season that their depth is real. Now, there's one spot where it can't really happen and BYU be okay. Running back? Running back. I love Lopini, but Tyler is uh, you know, a little different. Lopini is really good. Tyler is great, right? And maybe Lopini needs a chance to show he's great. Who knows? But I don't want injuries to anybody. But that's a spot that I'm like, listen, Tyler's the MVP of the team yeah. right now. He's got to be the workhorse and got to stay as healthy as humanly possible. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now is the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, who is also back in Studio B, and as he is so often, the genesis for our stat of the day. Hit it! Courtesy of Greg Rubel, Saturday's game versus Boise State will be Kalani Satake's 70th as a BYU head coach. A victory would give him 44 wins. Now, notably, after Lavelle Edwards' 70th game, he had 44 wins. How did you stumble upon that gem, Greg? Well, just to, to be to be accurate there, Lavelle actually picked up his 44th win in his 69th game. Okay. But after 70 games, he had 44 wins. So he lost so the 70. He did. Yeah. So the point was, after after 70 games, each would have 44, 44 wins, wins if indeed BYU defeats Boise State on Saturday. So, yeah. So I, I ever since Kalani made the reference, I think early, in, it might have been the Davis press conference, uh, it's like a coach's show, right? Yeah, I, 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 I forget so. what he said, but he, yeah. he talked. He joked about wanting to be the Polynesian Lavelle. Yes. Yeah, and and I thought how cool it was that you know Lavelle's last game as the head coach, you know Kalani played in that game, you know, and it was Kalani's last game as a player was Lavelle's last game as a coach, and you know I still remember the the shots of of Kalani hugging Lavelle on the sidelines as the, as the seconds ticked off in that Utah game, so you know clearly there was a bond, and and then for Kalani to to, to get the job 
while Lavelle was still with us and, and, and have that transition kind of take place, I've always appreciated the connection between Kalani and Lavelle. And, and a lot of them, and again, they're, they're, they're different guys, clearly, right? But sure. there's a real, um, there's a warmth and a genuineness and a sense of love yes. and affability and real and all these things that kind of tie the two guys together. And so I've, I've always liked kind of tracking Lavelle's start, you know, the start of Lavelle's tenure and the start of Kalani's yes. tenure over the years. And they've had a couple of touch points over the years as they start off because it took a while for Lavelle to really get the thing moving and really clicking. You know, he kind of had his, maybe he didn't call it that, but his five-year plan that really started to bear fruit after season five or six. And Kalani's kind of in that same mode in a lot of ways. Now, both guys picked up the programs at different times, but each had challenges unique to their era. And now Kalani's kind of got it rolling a bit. It's just kind of funny that if you hit that number, that they both kind of both be at the same spot uh, with hopefully the best in front of Kalani still. Sure. Play. And for crying out loud, both had their losing season in the second season. Yeah. It's just wild, the parallels. Yeah, there's there. an early dip, and then you recover. And, and so I, I think it's kind of cool. And, uh, and again, we can only hope that you know, Kalani's ne- you know, next 10, 15, 20 years are as successful as Lavelle's. Um, but, Let's go. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I guess the, you know, the, uh, the point you want to touch on is that it takes a little while to kind of get your thing really, really rolling. And that, that's, I think, where Kalani is now. Yes, yeah, sometimes it's super fast, like, you know, 12-0 and 0 for Gary Croton and then, you know, three losing seasons. So it's like, was that Lavelle's guys that they just figured it out and then got figured out? I don't know. But, and then sometimes it takes a few years. Okay, so this Saturday, we're talking about if Jacob Conover is the guy, how confident are you BYU beats Boise State? What's your opinion? Very. Uh, and, and I think uh, the fact that you know, coaches ID'd Jacob Conover as the guy that won the game Friday at Utah State. Uh, it took him a little while to get kind of you know, going a bit in that one, to warm up a little bit. But when it came right down to it, he made the plays that BYU needed to keep that offense you know, rolling and scoring and, and winning that game. And so um, I, I don't know that A-Rod called a whole lot different uh, for, for Jacob. And, I mean, th- th- it's a deep quarterback room, right? And, and even when he was just playing scout team last year, you know, Jacob Conover was opening eyes with this team and his teammates. Now, you know, might, might BYU run a little more uh, this week? Maybe, but BYU already runs more than it passes. And Boise's, you know, vulnerability right now is, is on the ground. And so you might see a more ground-heavy game. It could be a function of weather, too. If it's, it's a wet, rainy day, you might be wise to not have Jacob, if Jacob's the guy, throwing it that often. And let's also, you know, note that, you know, Jaron Hall's on the comeback trail here, too. Like, he's getting better. And, and so, you know, we can't count anybody out right now. And, and hopefully, you know, these two weeks where Jaron ha- hasn't had to play will ultimately pay dividends for BYU and get him better uh, ASAP. I like getting my name mixed in a lot with Jaron. It's happening a lot. Jaron and Jaron? Yeah. It's, uh, it's understandable, gonna start right? We're going to pod. Okay. Jaron and Jaron? Yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Boise State, two and three. A lot of emphasis and focus has been put on the record through five games. But Jaron and I feel still that Boise State is a very talented team. In your preparation and in your study of the Broncos – what are they? What, what is their identity as a team right now with a record of two and three? Well, as Brent Musburger would say, uh, his guys in the desert. Uh, I'll also agree with you guys. <laughs> uh, Boise is a two and three team that's, favorite, that's expected to be right there with BYU in this game. And, and look who they've lost to, right? It was, it, was, it was UCF away from home. It was Oklahoma State. And it was Nevada with a big second half. Uh, not terrible losses. Um, but, you know, two and three still two and three. And it was, you know, there are two home losses as well. That's the other thing, yep. too. How often does, does Boise have two home losses this early in the season, let alone in a season? So there are some vulnerabilities. And, and ultimately, you know, we saw BYU uh, totally shut down a Utah State run game that had all kinds of room to run against Boise State. 
And, and, and so I, I think BYU is going to have to, you know, explore the holes that have been present uh, through, I mean, on, on the ground to see where that takes BYU because they're really vulnerable. They're, they're around 100th in, in both, you know, rush yards allowed per game, but more importantly, rush yards allowed per carry. Um, and, and conversely, BYU is like top 50 in, in rush yards per game, but like top 30 in rush yards per carry. When the Cougars choose to run, they do it really, really well. And this might be the game where you simply choose to run a bit more based on how Boise is giving it up, how great BYU has been on the ground, and maybe even weather plays a function if it is indeed a rainy game. And maybe fresh from quarterback like we were talking about. Right, like, all just these make things it like, easier, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so 5-0 um, start. This has been incredible, right, for BYU number 10. What's been sort of the most surprising part of this for you? Maybe how clean BYU's been uh, with, with, with you know, a, a lot lost on the offensive line and then injuries hitting an offensive line. There's been a lot of shuffling up front in the front five. Uh, Quote-unquote new OC. We know AR is not really the new OC, but you know, ultimately it's his game for the first time start to finish, and, and there's been absolutely no loss in continuity whatsoever that way. Uh, and the fact you've had to use three quarterbacks. So if you, if you go you know, largely new and shuffling offensive line, three quarterbacks, uh, new OC, wow, to be so clean, uh, you know, a top 20 team in, in, in red zone uh, touchdown percentage, a top 15 in red zone scoring percentage, two turnovers through five games. Amazing. Clean, sharp, productive when they need to be. So if not, I'm not going to say like, oh, I'm blown away. But, you know, I guess you're pleasantly surprised that you'd start these five games with all those things being there, all those elements, and still you're winning and you're not turning it over and you're not getting penalized very frequently. I mean, they're, they're a low-penalty team. And, again, yeah. penalties aren't the biggest, you know, determinant for win or losses. Right. But it's when they come and how they come. And, and, and BYU hasn't really been hurting itself that way either. So uh, clean, and, and that's maybe not the huge surprise, but a nice thing to see in 5-0. In and, oh. and the fact that BYU's played three quarterbacks, just insane in this. Well, yeah. like, like, if you had said, Taysom Hill's the starting quarterback, does BYU get to 5-0 and oh preseason? We're like, listen, 4-1 and one would be incredible. No, it's been 5-0 and oh with three different dudes. Yeah. That ability for him as the QB coach as well to prepare those guys is, is really significant. No, it, it's like you know, last year Zach was the guy 1-12, through 12, right? But as we talked about many times, that's the exception, not the rule. I think A-Rod on Coordinator's Corner said, of the 130 FBS teams, roughly 20 get through a year yes. with one guy. That's unbelievable. Crazy. So a large majority will need more than one, and that and BYU's already gotten to three through five games, and still where they are, <laughs> it's really, really impressive. And and one of the great things too about you know when you, when you're when you're pitching your quarterbacks, you're not just you know blowing smoke when you say you know you know there, there's a good chance you'll play. Now there's a really, really you know strong chance you're going to be needed. So so don't think anything other than that. So it's great to be deep that way. Greg Rubel, the voice of the Cougars, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. The defense we noted a couple of times uh, this week now, holding opponents at least four of the five to twenty points or fewer. What has been the most impressive part about BYU's defense, statistically speaking? It's points. It's all about the points. Uh, I broke it down this week and I had to go back to 1984-85 to find the last time BYU had this many games allowing fewer than 28 points or fewer than four touchdowns, right? And so that's a pretty long run where no one really got off on you. No one really got loose on you. And, and this year's schedule is different than last year's schedule. That said, the P5s BYU played never got out of the teens. Arizona State could have easily done that, did not. Oh, they're a really good team. Yeah. They're actually a really good team. In fact, they're back in the rankings, right? Back in the top 25. Uh, and, and uh, you know, BYU kept that team in the teens. That's, that's, that's saying something. So, to me, it's all about the points allowed. And, and BYU's, yeah, they're, they, they've given up some long drives. They've had a tough time getting off the field on some third downs. Um, but ultimately... When it comes time to either take the ball away, which they do really well, or stiffen up in scoring territory, 
which they do really well, that's what's keeping the point number down. And so BYU is keeping things in front of them, quote unquote, and when it really matters, paying off with a tenacious, ball-hungry defense and a defense that makes it really hard to get in the end zone when you've got a chance to score. So they'll, you know, not that it's purely like they, that they want to give up long drives and, and, and are okay with giving up, you know, third down conversions, but ultimately, um, if teams are playing from behind and they're going to have to use a lot of snaps and a lot of plays and a lot of yards to get where they want to go and they don't get there eventually, and ultimately, BYU will take that trade-off. As a play-by-play, are you used to the line changes for BYU defensively? Yeah, now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unique and different, but yeah. BYU's trying to stay fresh. Right. And seven, eight, nine guys sometimes at a time will be going off and coming on. And <laughs> we had an 11 last year, I think, right? Once yeah. Or twice. So then that's the way, you know, Coach E and Coach yeah. Itake choose to roll. And, uh, I, again, I, you cannot complain with, with the way it's all turned out because, ultimately, it's, it's points allowed, and, and that's what BYU's doing really well. And it helps, too, when you're playing with the lead all the time, right? Right. BYU stat- hasn't trailed. The stat's out there, right? I mean, there are four teams that haven't trailed yet this season. BYU's one of them. The last game they trailed in was San Diego State last December. And so when you play with the lead, you've got a nice comfort zone that kind of you know, helps everybody play better complementary football. All right, Greg, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Zach Wilson and what he did on Sunday with the New York Jets and the NFL. Do you feel like this is the turning point for Zach, or do you feel like it's going to be a little more up and down just based on how the NFL is? Well, whether it was the exhibition season or even the first couple games when you know he struggled with interceptions, but the, the, the ingredients were always there. You could still see it, and, and it's a function of time and, and timing. And if you give Zach enough time, or even if you don't and allow him enough space to make his own time, he will cut you apart, and that's what he's been doing. And I, I, I guess I'm, I, I really uh, love how so many eyes get opened, you know, from people who've been around the NFL a long, long time. They're seeing this guy going, like, he's making wow throws, and, and he's only a rookie, and he's just barely games into this, and they're not a complete team around him yet, and they struggle to protect at times. But he's doing these things that, you know, we saw for so many times that, well, yeah, that's who he is. But doing it at the next level is, is the coolest thing. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. The BYU Cougars 5-0. According to ESPN's what? Football Power Index, they had an 11% chance of starting the season 5-0. Seven games remain. Jerem, the question is, of those lucky seven games remaining in the regular season, what are the toughest left on BYU's schedule? Let's rank them, shall we? Well, we, we did it this morning, so let's show you. Uh, here's what we think. So, uh, in order, and uh, hopefully I remember, Baylor, uh-huh. USC, Boise State, Virginia, and Washington State. Okay, not surprisingly, the four Power Fives this, remaining this in the top think. five with Boise State kind of mixed in the middle there. Okay, now USC, uh, you know, had a couple losses. We thought they were the toughest team on the schedule before the season. Um, we both felt that way. Um, FPI rank, USC is higher than Baylor right now, and the win percentage chance for BYU is higher against Baylor than it is USC, uh, meaning BYU has a lesser chance to win against USC. So ESPN saying USC is the toughest opponents left on the season. Uh, left on the schedule. I think the reason we think uh, Baylor is is because USC's had a few struggles. Obviously, getting blown out by Oregon State, you li- you, we're licking our chops here going, oh, that's a winnable game in the they Coliseum. They fired their head coach less than a fourth of the way into the season. Yeah, and and obviously the uh, injury to Keaton Slovis and then Jackson Dart 
uh, at a corner canyon, tears the meniscus. Um, Keaton Slovis comes back. They win. Now, Stanford is better than we think. Now, when Stanford blew out USC with brother Elder Tanner McKee, that was like, whoa, now brother Elder Tanner McKee has defeated Oregon as well. And USC. Yeah, how about that? So those are two pretty good wins, man. So USC is going to be tough. I don't care if USC is 5-7. That's a tough game for BYU. Always, no matter what. And we've talked about this before. When the dust settles on a season, a lot of times when BYU like wins a big game on the road, if that is a Power 5 team and they won at least eight games, that's a rare instance in BYU history. That's a tough win to sure, get. Sure, Baylor's so, going to win eight games. Yeah, they're 4-1 and one right now. They're going to win eight, you'd think, right? Unless they collapse. So, that, yes, Baylor, USC. Boise State's still good. I know they're 2-3. and three. Again, I'm going to scream it the whole week. Boise State's good. Don't. Be underestimate the Broncos this week. Um, Virginia and Washington State. It doesn't mean Virginia stinks. just means they're fourth on the list. Then Washington State, I think they're actually not that good. Um, BYU should win that game for Utah sure. Utah State beat Washington State on the road. Yeah. yeah. Nick Rolovich has uh, got a little bit of a political situation going on up in Pullman. Getting vaxxed or not as a uh-huh. state employee. Uh-huh. Well, it's weird. It's become a distraction. It's become a full-on distraction for that team. Oh, yeah. no, that's, that's not good. Like the, that thing has gone way out. It's blown blown way out of proportion. So there are weird things happening in that camp. But I don't I'm, know that it's been blown out of proportion. He just hasn't answered the question. I'm with you, USC, Baylor, Baylor number one. I just think Baylor right now is a little bit more cohesive as a unit than USC, based on the things we just discussed with the Trojans. By having a head coach, yeah, yeah. You don't have an interim head coach. What? They don't they have an, USC they lost have to Stanford and they fired. Clay Helton. Yeah, they have an interim head coach. Right. Somebody Baylor doesn't have an interim head coach. Oh, right, right, right. They have an actual head yeah, they coach. Have Dave Aranda. Yes. So Baylor, USC. Boise State is interesting, and part of the reason I wanted to put them number three is because of BYU's current quarterback situation. Like the t- it, When the game is played and who's available also factor into this. Wait. Oh, no. Hank Bachmeyer is playing. Maybe for Boise State. Oh, my gosh. Okay. By, by the way, this will be the first uh, start for Brother Bachmeyer against uh, BYU. He didn't play in 2019. He didn't play in 2020. Hence the Bronco tears relative to those games. But listen, there's a good chance BYU starts a third-string freshman quarterback, just like 2019, on Saturday. And his name is Jake. And rain is in the forecast, just like it was in 2019. Well, well, well. And who's calling the place? Uh, Aaron Roderick again. So. Is BYU going to start a third-string quarterback at home against Boise State again? You might have to. It all depends on Jaron Hall's health. Okay, I, that, there's, there's like no way Baylor Romney plays this week. Come on. This is why Boise you State's think. number three on the list. When and the circumstances going into this game make me more concerned about this game than when Virginia comes in on, on October Even 30th. the BYUers coming back to town on my birthday, by the way. Okay. Yeah. People are saying, hey, what about game six and seven? Uh, BYU's going to win at Georgia Southern, and they're going to win handily against Idaho State. Okay? I thought the, live on BYU TV. Live on BYU Dude, TV. we have a contract. Well, that's why I let you say it. Oh, okay. Okay, that's, that's just, part, that's part just, of your deal. I just need to know you're on board. That's part of your deal. It is. BYU has a 2.8% chance to win out according to ESPN's football power index. Yeah, I, I just think BYU's losing one to two games still. Like, it, it's going to happen. 84 was 84 because the schedule was easier. This isn't an easy schedule. According to ESPN's Football Power Index, BYU's 
remaining strength of schedule is 78th yeah. in the country. Well, so not a world beater. Yeah. No, listen. BYU can win 10 in the regular season. Maybe 11. BYU can win 11. Like, BYU like, can win 12. Like, Has BYU already won the toughest game on the schedule? Arizona State? They're ranked number 22 right I, now. I would argue getting over the hump of Utah was the toughest thing. To sure. me, that's the toughest thing. But if you're just talking like... Best you, opponent. You, yeah, yeah. If you just say like opponent and there's nothing else, Arizona State right Air, now. We'll find out yeah. more about they, Arizona State this listen, weekend. Their win, their win on Saturday was fantastic. Arizona State, Stanford this Saturday. Ooh, that's a sneaky one. Okay. Probably on the Pac-12 network at 11.59 right. p.m. Pacific time. You may have to just struggle kidding. a little bit to just, find that game. Just kidding. Now, now we're all high and mighty, Big 12. No. <laughs> Not yet. You're right. We were making fun of the Pac-12 network before BYU was a member of the Big 12. Yeah, we shouldn't be too – we don't have HD distribution on Dish and Direct. Like, <laughs> use the app. Whatever. Like, everyone has an issue. It's all good. It's all good. Our question of the day. I don't want to make fun of other networks. You're right. In your opinion, what are the toughest games left on BYU football schedule? Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response from Brandon Bourget on Twitter. Boise State, number one. Potentially starting a new quarterback, BYU, against a team that's hungry for redemption. They're hungry. The context is heavy. Number two, Baylor, nationally relevant. Mm -hmm. Number three, Virginia, emotions on both sides. There's emotion with Baylor, too. Jeff Grimes and Eric Patel. Yes. USC, most talented team on paper, BYU will play all year. 100%. Georgia Southern, trap game. Washington State doesn't make the list. (laughs) Listen, Georgia Southern runs the triple option. And speaking of coach, they've already fired their head coach. Yes, they, they have I mean, an interim head coach, too. But BYU has lost to an interim head coach in a bowl game. Washington. 2013, Marcus 2S Sosopo. By the way, uh, Boise State this week. Read, uh, is it Beatsy? Beatsy? From my wife. Please call it Boise and not Boise. Every time someone says it wrong, I have to hear there's no Z in Boise. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Now, oh, listen, we, I, I think we've been we, good about this. We are from the school of uh, correct pronunciation. Okay? Correct, yes. It's Boise, not, yeah, Boise. No Z. Okay, and then the other one is Gonzaga. Okay, we've been screaming from the rooftops for years. Everyone says one of the following Gonzaga, which is super wrong. That's like saying Oregon or Nevada. Just get the heck it's out of here. It's not the Zogs. What are you, what are you the from, Zags. What are you from Connecticut? Get out of here. Okay, love the Connecticut BYU fans, but pronounce it correctly. Okay. Louisville. Yes. Louisville. Okay. Gun, gun Zaga? No. It's not a gun. Gone. Gone Zaga. Gonzaga. Boise. Say it correctly. <laughs> Say it correctly. This TED Talk from Everybody. Jordan was. Come on. Let's go. Brought to you by Crime Stoppers. <laughs> <laughs> and General Gridlock. <laughs> Join the conversation 24 7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Using the hashtag BYUSN, the best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Top five plays from BYU's 14-point win in Logan against Utah State. Jerem, start us off. Number five, first quarter, third and ten. Isaac Rex goes up. Gets the grab, tracks the toe, while bobbling the ball. 19 yards on a little third and 10 action. Isaac Rex, well done. At number four, 
first play for the BYU offense. Baylor Romney looking deep for Puka Nakua. Look at him attack the ball. Comes back for the grab. Nakua, 42 yards later, celebrating a big first down for BYU. I expect much more of this in the future, Jerem. Rod Wilkerson-esque from Orem High. Number three, second quarter, Tyler Algier. 59 yards to the Casa. Slight stumble. Algier hits the hole, and then no Aggies wanted to touch him. Social distancing in effect, and he kind of burns into the right corner and goes into the end zone for a touchdown. One of three touchdowns on the night. And what was nearly his third touchdown of the night, Jerem, Tyler Algier, when BYU needed it most in one of those weird scenarios in the fourth quarter, up seven, 67 yards. How about the blocks from Puka Nakua on the left side as well? Down to the half-yard line. He would later seal it with a touchdown and ice the win for BYU. Incredible blocks by Nakua once again. Algier, 218 yards. Top 10 rushing performance all-time individually in BYU football history. I go to the bathroom for one play. I know. One, One play. And the top play from BYU's win over Utah State. Utah State's opening drive. Malik Moore. This is one of the best interceptions we've seen in a long time from BYU. Right hand. Keeps it in with the left. Oh, my gosh. This is incredible. Malik Moore, second pick of the year, fourth career. The way he controlled this and balanced and turned onto his back was amazing. Uh, yes, Jeremy. He mossed the receiver. It's not off a defensive back. You got mossed. Yes, you got mossed. Yeah. boy, Malik. You got more. Uh, if you missed the interview I did with Malik Moore after the game, uh, one of Hilarious. my favorite, one of my favorites all season. Yeah, <laughs> Uriah Leatawa coming over because it was Friday. He didn't have to go to bed and go to church. Just right, kind of hang out. You, right, you could just stay up a little Rock bit. Rock me, and Mama, like a wagon. Yes, they yeah. sang. Malik said, "I'm going to get myself a pizza. I'm going to eat the whole thing. It's going to be great." That's no joke, by the way. Oh yeah, that happened after the uh, basketball practice. What's the gist? They yeah. eat a whole pizza. A you whole pizza, like one for every guy. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. You want to watch some top 10 volleyball tonight? Hey, number nine BYU hosting the Portlanders. Watch the Cougars try and move to 10-0 10-0 at home on the season. Just a one loss overall. Seems fun to watch. They've won 21 straight sets. It's on the BYU TV app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. It is our pleasure now to welcome into Studio B for the first time in quite a while the head coach of BYU Women's Volleyball and those ninth-ranked Cougars, Heather Olmstead. Coach, thanks for hanging out with us on game day. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. This is a really cool setup for the match tonight, and I've been plugging throughout the show that it's more than just the match against Portland. It's also the breast cancer awareness match and month for that matter. And this one, because of recent experiences that you've had in your own family, is hitting close to home. And so we just kind of like to get your thoughts on why this match is so meaningful tonight and why you're wearing that pink sweatshirt and what goes into all that. Yeah, thanks. Not only are we excited to be back home to play Portland, but we get the opportunity to raise awareness for breast cancer. And so in June of this past summer, my dad was diagnosed with DCIS, 
ductal carcinoma in situ breast cancer. Um, and that was a surprise to all of us. So that happened in June. Uh, the next week, they got him promptly in, and he had a, a partial mastectomy. And so while they were in there, they also took out some lymph nodes and checked uh, to make sure there was no spreading and everything looks good there. So this match does have special meaning, a little bit different meaning, and it's, it's, it's education for all of us to provide awareness for not only female breast cancer, which one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer, but less than 1% of men, which is one in 1,000, will also be diagnosed with breast cancer. And we need to be talking about it and get that out there so people are aware of it. So this is a, this is a big deal, obviously, when anyone gets cancer, but we've known Rick for a long time as a notable guy in the community, as a former coach of Karch Cry and other teams, right? Yeah. Um, and, and referee, and he's the dad of the winningest uh, male and female NCAA college coaches. So how's he doing now? Yeah, he's doing awesome. He's doing great. They didn't uh, feel like there was any need for chemo or radiation, so he's on a, a drug, um, Tamoflexin, I think it's called, and it's an estrogen blocker because breast cancer is fed by estrogen, which men have. Um, and so he's on an estrogen blocker. He's doing well. And so he's, he's excited to also spread awareness and, and talk about his story. And one of the most important things about his story is that you need to advocate for yourself, for your body, for what you're feeling. He didn't have a lump. Uh, there was no lump there, but he did have some symptoms, which was um, discharge out of his nipple, which yeah. was bloody. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a sign that you need to go to the doctor. And so being able to be aware of those things and, and, and go fight for yourself and for your health is important. And, and that's what he did. And so uh, early enough that he, he's feeling good, um, but we need to keep talking about it. And so tonight's an opportunity to do that for sure. I didn't know some of those numbers you mentioned, especially the 1% for men yep. and like estrogen. I don't, yeah, awareness is super important. So what else would you advise? I guess, you know, a lot of this conversation is obviously about women. It's super important. Yep. But what this part is about men. What have you learned that you would also want people to know about this? Yeah, I think just what we said, that, that men can get breast cancer and that, um, you know, if something's off with your body, you yeah. go, go to the doctor, let them check it out, be, be self-aware and, and be cautious about that because health is everything. We need our health to just to live and to, to be healthy and happy. And so that, that's what I would say. It's, it's an opportunity for us to talk with our team. We have obviously women's volleyball and that's a, that's a high stat. And we've got 19 girls on our team. That's something we should be talking about, not to, to scare anyone or be afraid of, but to educate our, our women in our program and, and around the country and people that are watching in the community about breast cancer in women and in men. And, um, you know, we're blessed that my dad's doing well. And, and yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's random. He has six daughters. And, you know, so there's, there's hereditary things that you've got to look at as far as now we've got to be extra cautious getting our screenings and doing those things as well, which is mm. another thing you've learned is, is look at your hereditary genetics and get some testing done and six daughters and my dad's the one with breast cancer right now and we're obviously very aware of it now going forward sure and we just put up uh, some other symptoms and and some other things to be aware of on the screen and i mean just even the fact that men are not totally uh safe and immune from this like that information alone is very critical um man your your parents both your mom and your dad have gone through some significant bouts of adversity what have you learned from them as you've watched them handle these these things as they've, as they've gone throughout life? Yeah, I've just learned they've had great faith throughout all of this, just the faith 
um, that they they have every day and you know in the gospel and just in in getting up every day and I mean exercising is huge for our family exercising diet and health and my dad's my dad was a health teacher in high school and so um, being healthy and not only mentally physically being aware and um, just having great faith as you live your life and and, and things are going to get hard like no, everyone has issues and so we've just got to to get up every day and do our best go to work and and just be the best versions of ourselves regardless of what we're going through. So pink tonight uh, will be on uh, display. I, I got. I'm going to change it up a little bit because oh, male breast cancer is a little blue pink. So is okay. it? Yeah. So if you, I, I'll be. I'll be repping both. Okay. Well, now I'm both. changing okay. my wardrobe right nah. now in my mind. So is it like okay. a light blue? Yeah, is, it is. Yeah, like you can Google blue? it. Yeah, okay. it's it's just a combo. And again, it's not very well known, but um, if I can bring a little bit of awareness, you know, love it's it. going to be great. Hundred percent. Yep. I love that. Heather Olmstead is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, before we move on to the match and start to preview what's going to happen against Portland tonight, uh, let's discuss how your your team is is handling this opportunity to raise awareness as well. What can we look for tonight when they hit the floor? Yeah, they're going to be warming up in some dig pink shirts. Um, they're excited to to also create awareness. Um, they'll have some ribbons and and just the conversations. It's it's allowing us to talk about you know who who in your life have have you known or have that's affected by this and yeah. and open those conversations and be okay with talking about the symptoms and going to the doctor, those things that for young kids who are 18, 19, 20, this is, this is relatively somewhat new to them to, to have people in their life that are affected by cancer and such. So they're, they're young, they're young kids, but they're, they're growing up fast. Yes, they are. Uh, and now let's talk about less important things, uh, like the volleyball season, yes. but, but you, you guys are doing so well right now. <laughs> number nine, just the one loss on the road at number two pit. who's an incredible team. Maybe we'll see them later. Who knows? How is this team in August? You're big on like, we haven't figured out who we are yet. Do you have a good sense of who you are at this point now that yeah. you're in the conference play? Yeah, d- absolutely. We're learning more and more about ourselves every day. Road trips help that for sure. So last week was awesome to be able to go play a tough Santa Clara team in San Francisco. Um, we and call we, that the Shane Tai. Yes, trip, we right? had we yeah. had lots of homecomings for people. You know, Gretchen, Gretchen Shane. R- yep. So we had such a great time getting to know each other, and, and and we battled. And so I know you guys talk about our sets, and I didn't even know that stat, the whatever, because every set for me feels like. <laughs> yeah, Emotion. so I'm like, I don't even know that that's true. Is that true? I feel like we've lost, but you know, that's just the coach in me that needs to appreciate how well we're playing and and the girls really are putting in the work and and so still learning who we are. We get to go on the road next week, um, but we're excited to be at home to play Portland and Gonzaga and, and see what we're made of. Yeah, it'll be fun uh, once you get through these matches at home to uh, watch BYU go on the road. LMU, San Diego, the West Coast Conference. And I know the BYU is transitioning into the Big 12, but the West Coast Conference has been a fantastic landing spot and a very good volleyball conference for BYU on the women's side. Absolutely. Not only do they have great players in the West Coast Conference, but they have great coaches. And so every night you know you're going up against coaches that know what they're doing and know your weaknesses. So you better know your weaknesses because other teams are going to exploit them. So we've got to be open and honest with our team. Hey, this is where we can get a little bit better, 1% better, right? Conference talk, better. we love that. Yep. Uh, Michael Dunn, it was amazing talk. And uh, I know, I, was, yeah. I love seeing him up there in general conference, but uh, we're, we're excited to just keep working on our craft and, and get better tonight. By old, I don't mean his age. I mean former. <laughs> I want to make sure Clip it off, there. send it to him. The super old guy. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, Whitney Bauer defensively, we love talking about this during the matches. She does something that doesn't uh, get known. It changed the Utah match. But by the way, the Utah win continues to look amazing. They keep getting these top 15 wins. Like, hey, that's helping the resume. Um, she gobbles up so many tips. Mm-hmm. Like, she is the ultimate waitress setter. You know what I mean? Like, she is just having an incredible season. Is that something you taught her? Did she come in with that skill? Have you developed that skill? 
Like, she's so good at that defensively. Yeah, she, she puts a lot of time into developing that skill set of defense, her eye work, and being able to see the sets, being able to see the, the attacker's rhythm. Are they going to tip? Are they going to hit? Are they going line? So she's put a lot of time into that. Uh, I think she's, she every day spends time on it, and she's open. She's coachable. She wants to, to hear feedback from us. So she's, she's put the work in, and she's, I think, the best setter defender in the country. So I'm proud of her. That's pretty awesome. And she doesn't turn 20 until November. Like, she's <laughs> yeah. a teenager still. Like, her maturity after reclassifying, not having a senior, has been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, she's, she's definitely uh, evolving into, obviously, you know, a great leader, and, and she's taking control and command of our offense. I mean, we're, we're third in the country in hitting percentage, and that's a lot because of the way uh, not only our passers are passing, but the way she's distributing the ball, and then our attackers taking smart swings. You got a roster littered with stars, and not just that. I think a theme that's developed is that they're coachable stars, and that's what makes a special group. Uh, we cannot wait to watch them tonight against Portland live on the BYU TV app. Of course, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We're raising awareness for breast cancer for men and women. We appreciate you coming in to do this with us today. We're so glad that Rick's doing well. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Heather. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.